Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from Platte Woods United Methodist Church. We are a community seeking to lead people to follow Jesus. If you would like information on weekly service times or ways to connect, please visit platwoodschurch.org. Well, uh, today I brought with me something. Uh, it's, a, it's a bag, and it might look a little bit inconspicuous. Um, it's, it's really not an expensive bag. It's, it's $3.99. I should note that a, a lot of people in the world live on that amount of money or less per day. So it, it is something, right? But, but don't be fooled by, by this bag because it contains great power. And how do I know this, you ask? It's because if I were to open this bag, the contents in it would va- vanish in a mere matter of moments. Uh, I love Flaming Hot Cheetos. I just, whenever I start eating them, I can't help myself. I just like always want to reach and get another one and another one. Uh, somebody told me along the way that spicy foods actually have this addictive quality to them. Uh, I'm just going to go with that. I've not researched that myself, but uh, it makes me feel better about this little habit of mine to eat these things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set these down, and they're going to be right here uh, as a reminder for me about the power that this has over me. Um, th- this idea of, of chips uh, actually reminds me of, a, of an old commercial. It's probably 20 years old. Uh, there was a slogan that a company used that said, I bet you can't eat just one. Maybe you're familiar with that slogan. And it's funny, right, because, hey, we're humans, and we're going to open up a bag of chips, and we're going to eat the whole thing. Like, that's, yes, that's funny. But it hits a little close to home for me. It's, it's like there's these things in our world that have control over us. They, they, it's our desires that lead us into this place to consume and want more for ourselves. And so when we say that phrase, I bet you can't eat just one, it's a little too on the nose. Well, we are in the season of Lent in the life of our church. Uh, This is the 40 days plus Sundays leading up to Easter. And on Easter, we're going to have a big celebration down at English Landing Park. I hope you can join us for that. If you cannot come to English Landing Park or uh, you would rather, we we, we, uh, worship online as well. So you can worship with us on Easter uh, wherever you are online. Uh, But that time is really meant to be a time of celebration for us as people. But to get the most out of it, To really understand what the Easter celebration is all about, we must first go through the season of Lent. And the season of Lent is really a time of of reflecting and repentance and seeking after God. We're looking for new 
uh, life to spring forth. Uh, the, the word Lent actually literally means spring. And in our, in our church, we've been using this sermon series called Rhythms, where we've been talking about different spiritual disciplines, things that we can do that, that will help lead us to God in new ways. And, and I love that idea of rhythms because so often in life we have to, it feels like we always have to add something to our plate. But if you're like me, I mean, most of us, we have so much to do already. I hate to just like give you one more thing. But when you think about the idea of rhythms, it, it should be this natural or, or almost organic thing where it, it's like a good song that gets into your, into your core. And when you, when you hear that, all of a sudden, you just can't help but move. It should be natural. It should be organic. It should be a rhythm. I also like that idea of a rhythm because uh, music has a beat to it. And, and if I ever find myself in life just a little bit off or I'm a little bit lost, if I can just find the beat, if I can just find that rhythm, maybe I will get going in the right direction again. And so for the past several weeks, we've talked about different spiritual uh, practices like, like reading scripture and prayer. Last week, Pastor Evie spoke a little bit to you about, uh, about generosity. And today, we're going we're gonna to talk about fasting. I'm so, it actually connects to generosity. So if you missed that message and you want to go back and hear that, you can go to our website. Uh, you can get that on our podcast. Uh, but today, we're talking about fasting. And fasting is not something that we are really uh, great at in our culture. It's not this value that we really lift up. Okay, uh, we, we are familiar with fasting. Most of us will, will fast, let's say, if we have to go to a doctor's appointment, right? Um, some of us will fast for health reasons. Uh, we may fast to lose weight. We might fast because it's, it's cleansing for our body, but it's not this like, it's not this value we hold. Actually, I think in our culture, we, we do the opposite. We value consumption. We're like a consumption type culture. And it, it actually makes me think about uh, how, as, as uh, a commercial that I heard when I was a little bit younger, it, there was this commercial that came on the radio. And it was all about the amount of peanut butter we would consume as, as a people. It said that we would eat enough peanut butter uh, to, to fill up the entire Grand Canyon. So it, that, that actually got me thinking, okay, well, how much, how, how much do we consume? And so I went on this kind of rabbit uh, down this rabbit hole and followed this trail where I was just looking at what we consume in our world. And so I looked up the amount of peanut butter that we consume in a year as, as uh, persons in the United States. And lo and behold, get, get this, we, we consume 700 million pounds of peanut butter per year. That's about three pounds per person per year. So for those of you who don't eat peanut butter, Someone else has made up for you. They've eaten six pounds. That's crazy to think about. Uh, we also love pizza. That's the number one food that we eat in the United States. And pizza, we actually eat uh, 100 acres per day of pizza in the U.S. If you're having trouble visualizing that, that's like 75 football fields of pizza. It's incredible. But we, we don't just consume food. We consume other things in, in our world that is just so, it's exploding with, with technology uh, we watch videos, we consume videos more than ever on YouTube uh, across the globe. This isn't the United States, but across the globe. We spend 100, make sure I get this right, 100 million hours per day watching videos. It's amazing. That, uh, some estimates uh, say that we will watch about, or spend about nine hours of our lives watching videos. Um, I'm sure that will only go up. The number one video in 2020 was, get this, 
It's Baby Shark 2020. We watched that video about 8 billion times. And so over the course of 2020, so it's a two-minute video. That's 16 billion minutes, which equates to about 30,000 years. So collectively, as a people across the globe, we consumed 30,000 years of Baby Shark. This is staggering. This is staggering to think about. And so that is the, our kind of natural rhythm. We, we want to consume the things that we enjoy. Uh, it, it's, it's part of being human. You know, as long as it's not harming anybody, right? We, we want to consume the things that we like to do. But it is wise and it is helpful to think about the things that we consume, the things that have, that have some control over us. And, and the patterns at which we consume reveal something about who we are as a people. And, you know, this has been going on for a long, long time. You can actually find examples of this in Scripture. That's what we're going to read today. Uh, so I'm actually going to go way back in Scripture. We're going to go back to the book of Deuteronomy and we're going to talk a little bit about the Israelites. These are God's people. And they are here in a time of transition. And what's, what's happening in their lives is they've just been led out of Egypt, uh, out of slavery. They've been a nomadic people wandering in the wilderness for about 40 years. And God is going to lead them into the promised land. Uh, but, but as God does this, God gives them some instructions and some warnings for how to live. So I'm going to jump in with uh, Deuteronomy verses eight, or chapter 8, verses 2 through 3, and then we will we'll continue on from there. So here are these words from uh, the book of Deuteronomy. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you uh, these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments, he humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, that last verse should sound familiar maybe to some of us. Uh, Jesus actually quotes this scripture in, in Matthew 4.4, uh, Jesus spent time in the wilderness as well. He was fasting for 40 days when temptation showed up in the form of the devil. And the devil told Jesus, hey, you've been fasting. You're probably hungry. Why don't you turn this, turn this stone into bread? And Jesus quotes the scripture. He says, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so in, in this little passage, God uh, was reminding the Israelites. He says, remember, Remember the Lord who was with you for these 40 years. You were in the wilderness. You experienced hunger. You didn't have a consistent uh, source of food and water, but I was the one who provided for you. And it was kind of this, this, uh, this test, so to speak. Like, can you truly rely on me? Will you truly seek me in all things? And God, God fed them uh, with this, this thing called manna. It mentions this in, in verse 3. And manna was this, this bread that God rained down from heaven. And the, and the way manna worked is, is it would cover the ground. And every day, the Israelites would go out and they'd collect this manna. And they would eat and they would be satisfied. And at the end of the day, it would melt away. And so it was kind of this cycle. Then the next day it would rain down again. People would gather what they wanted. They would eat it. Uh, they'd be satisfied and it would melt away. One of the instructions with manna is that you, you were not supposed to eat more than you needed. You were just supposed to take enough. Uh, and, and some people, though, they didn't listen to that instruction. They just couldn't help themselves, their desire for consumption. It, it took over. 
And so what happened is, is they snuck a little bit back. And when they did that, they woke up the next day, and guess what had happened? Their manna had spoiled. And so what God is teaching them here is he's saying, remember, remember, only consume what you need. That's how I want you to live. When, you, uh, when I'm bringing you into the promised land, I only want you to take what you need. And when you do that, you create space and opportunity, provision, nutrition. You literally create life for others. And for me, there's a wisdom in that, in God spoiling the excess. Because when God spoils the excess, the excess doesn't spoil us from the inside out. So I'm going to continue reading the scripture from Deuteronomy. And I'm actually going to jump ahead to verse 7. So if you're following along in your Bibles, I'll jump, jump into verse 7. So here, here's what the words, here's what the scripture says. It says, for the, lo- or for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with flowing streams, with springs and underground waters welling up in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey. It's a land where you may eat bread without scarcity. Uh, you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and from whose hills you may mine copper. You shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. So here, what we are picturing is the promised land that the Israelites are going to enter into. It's, it's a picture of abundance. You, you see the words that says there, there is no scarcity. And I love that because God is bringing them out of this place where they hungered. They were, they were fasting. Uh, there was this temporary period, these 40 years. God was bringing them from the wilderness into prosperity. Uh, and we get to do that. Well, we get to do that as we move from Lent to Easter. It's this time of self-denial to then, to then feasting. I truly believe that's a gift from God. God does not want us to live in scarcity. God wants us to live the abundant life. But not just for us as individuals. God wants us to live it in such a way that all people can eat. And so that's why we get this further instruction, this little caveat, if you continue in verse 11. Uh, It says, says, uh, take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and, and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hands has gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors as he is doing today. If, and then uh, verse 19, here's a warning. If you do forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. And so what God, God is saying here is don't don't forget me. Don't forget from where you came. Don't forget that you had very, very little. Don't forget the moments where you hungered and you had to rely on me because if you move into this land of prosperity and everything that you have is multiplied and you have more than enough, sometimes we, we get used to what it is that we have and we, we start settling in and then we have this thought that's a really scary 
a subtly dangerous thought. It's this thought of, hey, these are the fruits of my labor. And so I deserve this. When we reach that place, we've forgotten God. And God says this has devastating consequences for us. Verse 19, it says that we will perish. And I don't think that's a a veiled threat from God. I think it's an instruction from God that tells us that if we live uh, with just enough, but we think about others, in other words, we share our excess, that we can have life. So today we're talking all about fasting. And for me, this is why fasting is so important. It's because it breaks our rhythm of consumption. This natural human desire that we have to to want to consume and acquire and multiply, fasting breaks that. So when you talk about the idea of fasting, just just think about what what we're doing with the spiritual rhythm. We, We are stepping out of our comfort and stepping into distress on purpose. And when we do that, we know that God will meet us there and that our faith in God will increase. In other words, we're saying less of me, God, and more of you. When we fasted, it actually cleanses us from the inside out. It takes away uh, our desire to want and need and acquire. We don't forget about God. We start to see God all around us. We see God in the people that we meet. When we hunger, when we fast and we hunger, we know that there are others in this world who are experiencing that same feeling right now. And we begin to think, oh oh my gosh, maybe I can go without just for a little bit so that someone else doesn't have to. Because isn't that what God has done for us? But it does take courage, you all. It takes a little bit of courage because when we decide to fast, we, uh, we expose idols in our life. So all of a sudden, there's these things that have power and control and influence over us, right? power and influence that we aren't even aware about, and uh, it exposes those idols in our life, and all of a sudden we have to deal with it. Uh, When we fast, we have to set aside our temporary comfort, our convenience, our, our temporary happiness, so that we can find something more permanent, and that's joy. Fasting, you all, it's a bridge. It's, it's a bridge. It's the in-between. It leads us from this, this consumption mindset to the place of generosity. Fasting helps encourage us to do that. And so as we begin to, uh, to practice and nurture the spiritual rhythm in our life, I want you to th- just think about some ways that you can do this to make this a rhythm for you. you. You can start with food. That's a great place to start. Maybe you give up one meal a week or a month. And when you do that, uh, make sure that you Give a meal to someone else. Uh, Or if you go to the grocery store, instead of picking up that one extra item that you really want, maybe leave it on the shelf and you can pick up some some canned goods or other non-perishable food items and you can donate them. We we have ministry partners here like Harvesters, Turning Point. Uh, We're we're doing a sack lunch program so you can bring food up to the church to feed people. It's a great way to fast. But it doesn't just have to be food. It can be it can be fasting from technology. Just think about all the time that we spend. So maybe if you put your, your phone away for a night, something that you can do is invest that time in other people. I love the idea of having a, a night where we, we turn off technology. It's a no technology night. 
And so maybe that's Wednesday. And, and instead of turning on the TV or getting on the phone, it just all goes away and you spend time together as a family or just in prayer and reading scripture. We can also fast from the power of our tongue. Our tongue has great influence. And so rather than saying harmful words to people, maybe we use our tongue to encourage others. And again, this is something that I want you to do, not just to add something, but I want it uh, to, your, to your life, but it should be this rhythm, this natural thing. I, I was fortunate enough actually to meet someone who I think lived this out, this idea of fasting out. It was a couple of years ago, I was on a, a youth trips, so to speak. We, we scheduled a day over spring break where we just went around Kansas City, and we, we, we had a, a busload of people. We were just serving at different places. Uh, one of the places we went to was a, it was a local uh, community kitchen. Uh, and in that community kitchen, uh, I was a little bit nervous as we got started. One, because I don't know how to cook. So thank goodness there were, there were individuals there who could help us cook. They had recipes for us. Uh, but we also had students there. And so you know, they're wielding knives and cutting up things. So I'm like, oh, please, no, you know, nobody get hurt. Uh, but what we did fine. Everyone did great. We, we cleaned the place, got it ready for our guests to show up. We got everything cooked. And at, as we approached the time to open the doors, you started to see a line forming outside. Uh, people were ready to come in and eat. And so the line grew and grew and grew. And, and then I had another thought. I started to get worried. I'm like, oh, man, what if we don't have enough? So uh, the way these things kind of work is you have a certain amount of ingredients and you prepare it, it, it's the food. It's kind of a guess. You don't know if you're, if you're going to have enough exactly, but, but people are good at estimating it. So you just hope it, it works out. And most of the time it does. Uh, but I was a little concerned. So we let the doors in and there's this rush of people and, and we're getting people through and everybody's sitting down and eating and we're meeting people. And, and finally we get to the very end and there's a woman that came in. Her name was Frances and she was, she was the last one. And she actually took the very last piece of chicken. This was our main source of protein that day. And, and she's getting ready to take her tray and go sit down and eat when another couple straggles in at the end. And in that moment, she looked down at her plate and then she looked back at this couple who just came in and she said, here, you can have mine. And she took the leftovers. And I think it's because she knew because she knew that we as a people cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Amen.